This episode of Internet Today is brought to you by Magic Spoon. It's been an odd year for gaming. It's been. <laughs> it's been an odd year for gaming. Uh, we're still seeing the results of pandemic-related delays and various scandals that have erupted from the gaming space. But as the year comes to a close, we are once again thrust into the year-end release cycle where the biggest titles are going to be released whether they are truly finished or not. Now, personally, I've enjoyed a bit of mindless nostalgia out of real uh, recent releases. I mindlessly played through dozens of hours of Amazon's New World because I'm a pathetic grindhog who somehow <laughs> enjoys repetitive tasks and infrequent weapon and armor upgrades, exploits along with stupid decisions by the devs, and did what little motivation I had left to keep playing. But then, out of nowhere, a gift from the gaming gods, Halo Infinite was suddenly released the multiplayer version of it. And I gotta say, aside from the issues with Battle Pass progression being frustratingly slow, this is the most fun I've had playing a competitive multiplayer game in a very, very long time. And honestly, the Battle Pass problem isn't even that big of a deal. It's a modern feature that gives you rewards and has no real effect on the actual gameplay, which at its core is so far a blast. But then you have the two other behemoths in gaming, Call of Duty and Battlefield, and despite both of them usually having plenty of issues at launch for nearly every iteration, for years it seemed as though Battlefield was the superior option because it offered so much more than you could ever get with COD, mm -hmm. and also seemed to embrace and develop more than what was typically offered in your standard first-person shooter games. But, in yet another weird twist of reality, Call of Duty is actually fantastic this year, while Battlefield is getting justifiably destroyed by gamers and by publications alike, and has quickly become one of the worst reviewed games in Steam history, with nearly 50,000 reviews at the time that we filmed this episode, with the store page displaying the audience consensus as mostly negative. <laughs> Metacritic has a similar rating based on user reviews, with over 3,000 submissions contributing to an average score of, ooh, 2.3 out of 10. Ooh, uh-oh. Yeah, and those, like, No one's getting that Christmas bonus. Uh, I mean, I don't know, uh, but, uh, it, it would be very sad for uh, children getting the battlefield under the Christmas tree this year. This game's broken, Dad. Don't you read the internet, you idiot? Fuck you, Dad. Also, why would you, you give me a battlefield? Why would you give me a physical copy of this? Yeah. I would just download it. Yeah. But uh, no, I, that's the thing is on Steam, it's like you have to have played the game to review it. Um, so that's 50,000 mostly unsatisfied customers. Yeah, that's not good. So what the hell went wrong? Well. First, there's the idea that this game was originally supposed to be Battlefield's introduction into the Battle Royale genre, the same way Call of Duty entered with Warzone. And just at face value, this does make sense because much like every game company is forced to mention NFTs right now in development meetings, every game company uh, for the past half decade immediately wanted to harness the success of, their, of the Battle Royale genre for their own titles. There was a lot of success, but also a lot of failure. But it looks like Battlefield might have been heading in the BR direction before bailing and just throwing together what looks like more of a traditional Battlefield game somewhere throughout the development process. And there's plenty of posts and articles that point out why these rumors exist, but one Reddit post in particular sums it up pretty well, saying, They 100% planned to make a BR and changed course during the development. So many things point at this. Huge maps, too big for normal BF gameplay, even at 128 players. Armor plates. Cannot switch slash create squads. Silly long timing when you're down with no visibility for medics, because initially it should be only your BR squad that can revive you. The plus system for weapons instead of ground loot attachments. No server browser, because you don't need one in BR. 
Lack of game modes. No hardcore. No proper factions. No scoreboard. No campaign. Mm. A lot of things cut. Yeah. And a lot of the reasoning that's given for why people think this was originally supposed to be a Battle Royale title are also included in the many critiques of the game on storefronts like Steam with plenty of other issues listed. One of the reviews listed as most helpful is an extensive laundry list of issues, many of which were completely fine in previous versions of this franchise. There's a lot here, but uh, we'll just point out some of the more important mentions. No single player mode, no server browser, no scoreboard, no score bonuses for headshots, multi-kills or hit-based damage XP gain, no persistent lobbies, no changing teams, squads, or creating a new squad entirely, no battle log or player stats page, buildings not as destructible as past games, reworks class system into hero shooter-like character select, only 19 primary weapons, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's so bad that Donkey even released a video with zero commentary, just gameplay showing how ridiculously broken and glitchy the game is on launch. His, uh, his video is exceptional because it shows the very clear promotional material that was used for it mm -hmm. and then uh, attempts at recreating the gameplay shown yeah. in the trailer and it is just it's so disappointing and bad especially the one where the body just basically gets dragged across the entire map um, and uh, I played it for a bit and experienced that like a bunch of weird glitches as well there's just something about it that's wrong. I don't. I can't even put my finger on it. I mean, all the things that are point out, pointed out by other people are crazy. Like the fact that lobbies aren't persistent. Like when a game ends, the game just splits everyone up. You have to do a completely new lobby instead of just continuing. Yeah, that's some on. battle royale shit. Exactly. So that's a pretty clear indicator. But also, it's so strange. You can't like make squads. So if you're actually playing with people, you can end up in a completely different squad than them. So you can't spawn on them, and you can't like recreate it either. Um, yeah, that's the, pretty, the, the that's maps big being deal. big has for many years been uh, a bonus. Like, hey, bigger maps. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. In this one, I was just running so much. Yeah, the action's all the way, though. Like, two miles down the road, you better find a vehicle or don't. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, there's lots and lots of running. And I, I don't know. It's just, it's strange. And as many people have pointed out online, there's, like, the MVP things at the end of the game, which COD also has, yeah. are, ex like, extremely cringy in this. Where it's just like, I just had a great time. And it's like, okay, weird. It's just it's just odd. There's many odd choices in this. But having said all of that, if, if you are into gigantic battles and are fine with the basic mechanics and are happy just playing a new Battlefield title, it, it is playable in most respects, I guess. Uh, the big thing here is Battlefield Portal, which... Seems like it seems like a cool idea. Yeah, it's just another one of those things that's going to have to be patched and fixed because, much like the regular game, like this obviously needed a lot more work. Mm. It did. I mean, it just doesn't feel the same. I, I played the free trial that was offered through Game Pass, and it just didn't work for me. It just doesn't feel the same way that it used to, and and that might be my fault. I'm getting old, and a game really needs to hook me within the first few hours. Twenty forty two, just I wasn't having fun, which. Is totally bizarre because I've been having a great time in Call of Duty Vanguard after legitimately hating the past half decade or so of Call of Duty games. It is so strange that this one rocks so hey. hard. Vanguard just fucking works. It is simple, it is straightforward and satisfying, and it doesn't feel like Overwatch, which is why I gave up on COD because the series really felt like it was heading in that direction. With Black Ops 4 it was. Yeah. They quickly abandoned all of that. Good. That was the worst thing ever. Yeah. And that's what it kind of feels like with this battlefield as well. Also, Halo Infinite rocks. I'm just waiting uh, patiently for 
a bit more of the customization for game modes because right now it's just all objective mixed in with Slayer. Having Slayer solo would be a lot of fun, but uh, it also sucks that uh, Halo is not going to have a co-op mode for the campaign for six months oh, what? after it's released, which is totally lame. But mm. hey, multiplayer PvP, it's rock solid. And the crossplay, as I think I've said before, between Xbox and PC, it is seamless. Um, it just sucks that Battlefield dropped a real stinker this time around. Ooh. Um, and while it will probably have most of its problems solved throughout uh, the coming years through <laughs> patches and updates, will anyone be interested when it's finally done? It's like Cyberpunk 2077. It's like, I've heard that it's playable now, but... Yeah, know. now it's mostly just a great way to, like, benchmark your new video card. Yeah, this looks great. I mean, look at that. You can see the reflections of all the neon lights in that puddle. Mm -hmm. Can't do that without RTX, so... So $60 worth it. Like Battlefield in six or eight months when it's available on, because EA Play is a part of Game Pass, Pass and you can play EA games. Like they, When it's free, it, it might still be successful. But in the meantime, I think Battlefield 3, probably the pinnacle of the entire franchise. Uh, Battlefield 4, pretty good. I I even enjoyed Battlefield 1, the uh, World War 1 or 2 or whatever. Too many women. Oh, wait. well, that was a huge problem, as yeah. we all know. My immersion, broken. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of people who are demanding their money back now, if you happen to be driving down the 5 freeway in Southern California last Friday uh, in the morning and uh, stopped to gather up any of the tens of thousands of dollars worth of cash that was just scattered across the road, seemingly gifted from on high, yeah. uh, if you were one of those people, uh, the federal and local governments and the law enforcement is... They're looking for that money, and they're, uh, they're looking for you. Uh, please. And, and there's a good chance they already know who you are. It's just a matter of time because yeah. uh, it's 2021, and mm -hmm. people film things. Anyway, if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, last Friday, an armored truck had a little bit of an issue out on the highway, and somehow the doors of the truck were flung open, whoops, <laughs> as it drove down the the five the I-5 freeway. One of the uh, busiest the freeways <laughs> in the country. <laughs> Very important and busy. It's also like the really the only way it, down it, from San Diego up to yeah. the rest of California. Well, so that's the thing, too, uh, is it's like, this didn't even happen. I don't want to, like, call out another city and say that it's worse than any other. But it's like, it didn't even happen in a less busy part of the state. It happened, like, north of San Diego. Yeah. Like, in between, in the San Diego-LA corridor. An air, uh, yeah, a, a, a part of the, the freeway that is so slow that a train is faster. And, could, we're, and we're talking American trains. Yes. <laughs> They're slow as fuck. You still get there faster than if you drive. So you can take a step out of your car at any point in time, get back in, and probably have not missed anything. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's where this happened. The doors flung open somehow on this armored car, and uh, cash was flying out everywhere, just pff, raining cash, covering the road as motorists, understandably, slammed on their brakes to maybe take advantage of this unexpected, but ultimately... Highly illegal <laughs> payday. Yeah. Tempting as it is, don't pick up that bill. Yeah. Obviously, folks, it would be illegal to steal this money and spend it. But also, finders keepers? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'm no lawyer. Look, when you're in a situation, the adrenaline starts pumping, there's cash everywhere. Yeah. It's like, you let, know. Let them go. Bump, well, bump. Is anybody looking? There's a little bit of cash on the road. It, Surely they won't miss a handful of bills. Yeah, I if the, this, maybe allegedly. This is the truck's fault. 
Yeah. Can you fault any American worker from uh, stopping their car and maybe grabbing a little bit of cash that just happens to be there? They don't know where it came from. I certainly would not fault them. Anyway. But, uh, but I am not uh, the criminal justice system. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be pretty hard to track down every single bill that flew out of this truck because there was a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, especially because if people just went and spent it in small amounts at everyday stores instead of making large cash deposits out their bank like fucking idiots. Yeah. But it turns out there is a modern solution to finding out who took the money because people just cannot help themselves. They filmed and uploaded their exploits doing what the law says was illegal in this case. Then they put it on social media because, uh, you know, there's one thing worth more than money, and that's clout. They did it for the clout. Look at me, guys. Look at all this money that flew out of an armored truck. Oh, look at this. <laughs> I'm keeping this. By the way, I'm keeping this. That's literally how the videos are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have people who, um, in the background, are like, hey, this is money. I'm not, I'm not an idiot. I'm not yeah. going to film myself. But now you're in HD on an actual video that was yeah. posted online. These cell phone cameras, they're uh, pretty high res these days. Yeah. This was 10, 15 years ago. If you were way in the background, like, I don't know, it's a couple pixels, but now, yeah. enhance. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, too, is it's just like on, the, on like a bunch of the news sites that I like was looking up for this article. It's literally just a slideshow of people's faces captured from the multiple angles of videos. Yeah. And like the thing is, is like the people filming it are, I mean, who knows if they actually took it or not. It seems like they might have taken a little, maybe some as a souvenir. But it's just like grabbing piles and throwing it in the air. Yeah, which looks like a lot of fun. It does. I can't, you, you don't get a lot of opportunity. It's like... It's the same, like, <laughs> if you ever have the opportunity to spread a bunch of cash out on a bed or something and lay on, lay on it, yeah. you're going to take it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you if it starts seemingly, it doesn't snow down here in Southern California, but so we don't get the opportunity every winter to pick up some snowballs. And, ah, it's yeah. winter's here. But these people had the chance to sort of do that, but with cash, which is something that never happens. And the funny part is, is, like, even if they did take zero dollars with them, they're still on video literally holding yeah. Thousands of dollars and throwing it around. Like, it's very incriminating. Well, I was just trying to help the uh, those poor armored car guys. Uh, what I was a, just helping them clean up. What a pickle they got themselves into. I'm going to I'm gonna help them clean up this highway. Oh, this, it's unsafe This road is filthy. Yeah. I'm going to clean it up so that it doesn't impede any drivers. And, well, what kind of, you know, good Samaritan would I be if I didn't take this trash that, I, that yeah. I've gathered with me to dispose of properly? Yeah. But uh, even people who were smart enough not to film themselves, like I said, committing a crime, they were caught in the crossfire of what appeared to be influencers gathering up wads of cash and throwing it in the air. Um, so, yeah, there's so many photos and so many frames of videos just stupidly filmed and uploaded onto the Internet, giving police and the FBI clear shots of people gathering up what they assumed to be free money on the side of the road. It doesn't get too much dumber than this. Except for maybe one couple who was actually caught at the scene of the crime because they, according to reports, accidentally locked their keys in the car as it was parked on the freeway while they scrambled to gather loose bills. Yeah, don't you fucking hate it when that happens? Oh my god, money! <laughs> oh, please don't tell me this car is locked and sitting in the middle of the five freeway. Smash your window, you can pay for a new one. Yeah. In a pinch, you know, a spark plug. Yeah. Uh, anyways, here's more info uh, from the incident uh, from local outlet Fox 5 San Diego. Authorities Friday were working to identify drivers suspected of pocketing money that went flying from the back of an armored car and onto Interstate 5 in Carlsbad. 
Calls began coming in about 9.15 a.m. Friday to California Highway Patrol dispatchers about a large sum of money in the roadway. Narcs. On I-5 near Cannon Road, as well as about drivers getting out to collect the bills. Narcs. The incident generated significant buzz in the community with videos of people scooping up cash being widely circulated on social media and among local news outlets. Narcs. Mm -hmm. Multiple screenshots from some of these videos were released late Friday by CHP, which was investigating the incident along with the FBI. The agency said it was trying to determine the identities of the motorists in the images and were urging them to return the money within 48 hours to avoid potential criminal charges. Quote, the CHP would like to thank those motorists who have already returned money to their local <laughs> CHP office, the agency said in a news release, and remind the public to do the right thing and return any money they found on the freeway. Listen, they don't know how much you took. Exonerate yourself by returning what seems like a handful of money, perhaps. They don't know how many handfuls. Listen, this is not legal advice. Look, I'm they have saying. the serial numbers, but it's not like every you know, yeah. convenience store or whatever is going to be checking all that all the time. Yeah. I wouldn't uh, personally do it, but... Uh, that would be wrong. Yes. But, but yeah, uh, much yeah. like with the Capitol rioters who live-streamed their insurrection, we have to point these freeway cash bandits to the now infamous Simpsons clip from all the way back in the late 90s, which just rings truer and truer now, more than ever. Videotaping this crime spree was the best idea we ever had. Simpsons taught us everything we needed to know. We just weren't looking in the right direction. Simpsons did it. Yeah. All right, we do have more news for you today, but first, let's take a second to eat a healthy breakfast. Mm. Thanks to Magic Spoon. I need my nu my nutrients. Black Friday's coming up, and they got a deal. That's right. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but then you realize that it's full of sugar and junk that you really shouldn't be eating. Luckily, InSteps Magic Spoon with a great tasting cereal that's got zero grams of sugar, 14 grams of protein, oh. and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Mm. Also, only 140 calories. Elliot's having uh, one of my favorites, peanut butter. It's one of the best. You can try Magic Spoon's best-selling flavors in a four-flavor variety pack featuring cocoa, fruity, frosted, and this one right here, peanut butter. And again, uh, some of our personal favorites. Mm. Uh, you got to dig a little deep for them. You got the cookies and cream. You got the new maple waffle. There is some stuff that's, that that they offer that is uh, exceptionally good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it tastes exactly like regular cereal from childhood, but it's super nutritious. Honestly, too good to be true. And by the way, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. This week, Magic Spoon is having their best offer yet for Black Friday. If you click the link below, you can get 20% off your order. That is right. You can build your, your very own four-pack four pack box and use our code TODAYDAILYBF for 20% off. And by the way, they are now shipping to Canada and to the UK. Mm -hmm. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Click the link below and use the code TODAYDAILYBF for 20% off or go to magicspoon.com slash TODAYDAILYBF. To save money today, I'm gonna get one more bite before we get back into the news. Black Friday, baby. Mmm. Mmm. Getting some magic spoon and all kinds of all kinds of products down at the local. You know, Target's actually closed all Thanksgiving now. They announced that. Wow, that's actually pretty great. Yeah, yeah. It's actually kind of nice. Hell yeah. Yeah, good for them. Anyways, um, back into the news with you guessed it. More drama in the world of NFTs. I don't know why you keep doing this to yourself. You are the orchestrator here. 
And one of the largest, you're actually going to like this one. Okay. One oh, of the yeah, largest yeah. art heists yeah. that the world has ever seen, someone has gone through and stolen every single NFT in existence and has offered them up for free on an NFT version of the Pirate Bay, literally called the NFT Bay. That's right, someone went through and right-clicked every bored ape, every lazy lion, every crypto punk, bored bunny, curious cat, geno pet, modern mouse, chill elephant, blissful bull, cool kitten, thug bird, trashy panda, naked meerkat, flashy flamingo, hellhound, and royal pangolin that they could find. That's, I, wow. And they re-uploaded them to a database where anyone with an internet connection is free to take as many pieces of valuable digital art as they want. With the site currently hosting a reported 15 terabytes worth of JPEGs. <sighs> that's a lot. That's a lot of JPEGs. And uh, that's a lot of hideous JPEGs. <laughs> yeah, most, the majority of them are like, hideous. There's, there's some good looking NFT art, but yeah. uh, everything you just listed is uh, shit that I would not want on my computer. And they keep saying JPEGs, but I'm sure there's a couple of MP4s in there as well, because there are some motion graphic NFTs. So that's probably where yeah. a lot of the uh, extra storage comes from, but sure. uh, the site's description, written in a .txt format created to mimic the old torrent description files, reads in part, Did you know that an NFT is just a hyperlink to an image that's usually hosted on Google Drive or another Web 2.0 host? People are dropping millions on instructions on how to download images. That's why you can right-click Save As because they are standard images. The image is not stored on the blockchain. The image is not stored in the blockchain contract. As Web 2.0 web hosts are known to go offline, this handy torrent contains all of the NFTs so that future generations can study this generation's tulip mania and collectively go, what the fuck? We destroyed our planet for this? Um, yeah. yeah. So here's more from uh, on that website and its founder from Vice's Motherboard. The site's founder, Jeffrey Huntley, told Motherboard he considered the site an art project. He was inspired by the art of the Australian LGBTQ community in the 1990s, in particular the work of musician and activist Pauline Pantsdown. Quote, there was a politician that was gaining popularity and their viewpoints are still, to this day, quite harmful to the LGBTQ community, Huntley told Motherboard in a Twitter DM. In response, one of the members of the community responded by creating art which was successful in changing the course of Australian politics. Huntley was hanging out in a Twitter space for NFTs and listening to the host get people hyped to buy NFTs, he said. We want to launch this project, Huntley said, quoting his recollection of the host. Once we launch, we're going to get the merch store out. Merch gets more people interested in the NFTs, more people buy the NFTs, and you'll get rich. It sounded like a scam to Huntley. Fundamentally, I hope through the NFTbay.org, people learn to understand what people are buying when purchasing NFT art right now is nothing more than directions on how to access or download an image, he said. The image is not stored on the blockchain, and the majority of images I've seen are hosted on Web 2.0 storage, which is likely to end up as 404, meaning the NFT has even less value. The article continues adding that Huntley believes there is a future for NFTs, but he doesn't think it needs the blockchain. Quote, the utility and value of NFTs will be created through social media platforms, he said. For many, digital representation is greater than physical representation, and if or when Twitter, TikTok, Discord backed away from it, roll out the ability to display flair on a social media profile, that will be a turning point. We see how bananas people go over the Twitter blue verified checkmark. Now think how social media will change when it has the ability to display verifiable proof of membership versus adding the words to a social media bio. All of this, however, could be achieved without blockchain. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, this it's not needed. And uh, it's also a lot of, it's just unnecessary. 
Yeah. I don't know. This whole thing, this story was, it was funny, but uh, I mean, I don't know. It's. I mean, I agree with them. All the NFT people are like, oh, thanks. You did us a favor. You backed up all of our NFTs. Great. This is, uh, anything that happens with the NFTs, they're, they push towards a positive. Any, any, like just talking about NFTs, they, they think they're winning because uh, they're staying relevant. So I yeah. don't know. No, I, but I agree with the, uh, the guy who created the website in the sense that this is an art project yeah. that says more about NFTs in general than actually being a resource for right. people to go and actively uh, you know, stick it to the man, whoever that is in the NFT space, by downloading all of these. It's more of a commentary yeah. on it than anything actually as, as a resource. I still think the better commentary was the, the guy, the CEO of Telegram, creating NFTs that uh, arbitrarily change over time because yeah. they're because they're web 2.0 he controls the hosting so it's yeah. like he can change it to whatever the hell he wants yeah it's like <laughs> yeah it you own it you emoji. can literally upload a different picture with the same file name and redirect the link yeah. and it changes what all you, you have is the link so yeah, exactly. whoever controls the link can do whatever the hell they want they can just remove it from the internet they can stop paying for hosting yeah yeah you're right well yeah. uh, but with every news story that uh, reiterates how stupid nfts are in their current state there's another story about someone we admire diving headfirst into a new NFT project, despite seeming like they would typically be opposed to the very idea of it. People like David Lynch, Quentin Tarantino, and the man at the center of our next bit of blockchain news, Serge Tankian of System of a Down. Why'd you put the JPEGs on the internet? You wanted to. I wanted to make money. Now, yeah. don't get us wrong. We're, we're all about people acquiring the bag, and a lot of the NFT projects that are being adopted right now aren't as terrible for the environment as the early NFT projects, although most of them are still, I think, on Ethereum, which is bad. But it is weird to see all of this getting adopted and marketed by people in the space so rapidly, and you have to wonder if they even really care about how NFTs are supposed to work, or they're just saying to themselves, well, if people are spending thousands of dollars for pieces of digital art, why shouldn't I sell them some? This is a great opportunity. My, my agent keeps telling me I got to get into NFTs, so fine, whatever. Whatever, yeah. Easy money. And at the very least, when filmmakers and musicians get involved, you're typically getting something more than just a picture. If you want a rundown of everything that Tarantino is currently offering and <laughs> dealing with legally as a result of his offering, uh, you should check out our most recent episode of News Dump. But uh, here's the news regarding Surge from System of a Down dropping some NFTs uh, via Rolling Stone. System of a Down Surge Tankian is taking his next art exhibition online, offering a mix of animated non-fungible tokens and archival gicle prints. Not for touching, the intangible composition presented by Curio NFT comprises 21 pieces, which will be unveiled and go on sale on December 6th via an interactive gallery. Viewers will be able to peruse simulated gallery rooms with large-scale animated graphics designed by visual effects master Roger Kupilian, the Lord of the Rings, Hugo. Music scored by Tankian will soundtrack the experience. And look, I, I love System of a Down. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. I uh, was a, a little bit bummed out to hear the opinions of their drummer uh, over the past <laughs> yeah. two years. But you know what? I still had tickets to go see them this year. Tickets that I bought. I don't know because the timeline's all skewed. It was mm. definitely pre-pandemic. They wow. were supposed to play here in, in Los Angeles. And then, what do you know it? The dates in October got canceled as well. And now, hopefully, next year I'll still see them. Having said that, huge fan. This fucking sucks. They actually show one of the pieces from the exhibit, and it's not great. It's just lazy looking and sounding. I'm sorry. I even like Serge's solo records. The, the included piece from the exhibition... I will link it below, but suffice to say, the effort here is pretty minimal. 
And, and if this is a good example of the rest of the exhibit, it's not good at all. The music is just ambient noise, and the art is, well, it's art, but it just doesn't seem all that impressive considering the names behind it. The guy worked on Lord of the Rings and Hugo, yeah. and it literally looks like something I could make in, not even After Effects, but Premiere in maybe 20 minutes. But why bother putting effort into it? That's the thing. Someone taped a banana to a wall, and yeah. it became historical in the art world. Oh, you think this looks like shit? Well, you're going to really be missing out when it's worth twice as much money on OpenSea or whatever in a week. But look, why should it be any good? Yeah. Someone's going to buy it, and exactly. they're probably going to spend an absurd amount of money on it. Exactly. It's going to get bought either way. Uh, anyways, in an email to Rolling Stone, Tankian says of the exhibit, it's true, in essence, that I decided to start painting so I can see my music. Music is not only intangible, but has also become commoditized, undervalued, and deeply underappreciated. That is why during exhibitions when people ask me if the music for each of my art pieces is available elsewhere, I gleefully say no. The art, my art, makes my music more exclusive. In other words, I enjoy the interrelationship between tangible and non-tangible creations. NFTs are the next step. Within NFTs, we're not just able to connect the music to the actual painting, but we're also able to make them dance. The more we interact with multiple senses, the greater the artistic multiplier effect. All right, this is one of them, one of them uh, music industry types, one of them Hollywood types talking. <laughs> a little bit with that, a little bit of woohoo in, in uh, what he's saying. Which is so weird because, like, obviously the, the band's stance on any of this over the course of two decades wouldn't sound like anything what you just heard. Yeah, I, it's, it's just strange. It's Yeah, it's also a really hilarious statement. He's talking about it like he's like, this is a fucking watershed moment. It's uh, literally like a, a paradigm shift in like art, and it's just, look at this fucking garbage that It's like selling. three layers that float back and forth and ambient noise. Yeah. It, which like... Wow. He changed the game. So I don't know. There better be something incredible that hasn't been shown out of this exhibition or our stance of... This is a low-effort cash grab will remain. Mm -hmm. And about that environmental impact, uh, it looks like this exhibit is actually going to use <laughs> Ethereum. God damn it. It's a terrible choice as far as emissions are concerned, but they add that Tankian and Curio NFT plan to offset the environmental impact from the show by utilizing lazy minting, a process that reduces emissions by minting NFTs when there isn't much Ethereum usage. Okay, sure, whatever. I, God damn it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Also... This doesn't need to be on the blockchain. It, he could literally have made moving digital art and yeah. Gicle prints yeah. for years. You know what I love is that uh, Radiohead, who a band that is not only great musically, but yeah. also like all of its members are pretty good artists in their own ways and different ways. And yeah. they, the uh, Kid A anniversary, uh, 20 years is this year. And instead of releasing some fucking NFTs or some bullshit, they created a fucking video game that anyone can play on the Epic Games Store. Yeah, a full experience. Or on PlayStation yeah. for free. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. Like, I'm sure there were some people being, wow, what a waste. They could have made so many, so much money just selling the stuff they put in this, but as NFTs. But uh, I think what they did is cooler than that. Yeah. And didn't involve any blockchain bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, I'm sure there will be more news uh, coming out of the NFT space this week. Oh, yeah. I, there's a very long article that I still need to read about uh, sort of a Hunter S. Thompson-style piece about attending a NFT convention. Oh, fantastic. So there's probably going to be some uh, 
Oh, that's great. Some pearls in that. And I can already see NFT being the uh, headliner of the worst in 2021 video at the end of the year. So lots to look forward to. Um, but also a little tidbit here. Elliot, did you see that CPAC banned the uh, Sesame Street characters entirely? I don't fucking, I don't fucking care. I don't care. Well, don't they're care. banned. They're banned. Oh no, Big Bird, he's gonna be so disappointed when he finds out he can't attend CPAC, a thing that he has attended in the past as a, a real person and not a fucking fictional character, a puppet. Big Bird is God in the same, it. it's in the same group as Jacob Wall. Cannot legally attend CPAC. <laughs> Big Bird is gonna have Maybe to Maybe they'll have their own convention. <laughs> in the hotel lobby. So Just, there uh, you go. Yeah, Big Bird and Jacob Wall, until Jacob Wall inevitably betrays him and has a press conference on, <laughs> on Jack's doorstep about yeah. Who big big bear fu or big big bird fucked <laughs> big bird fucked big bear, big uh, foot? Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't. God damn it! This uh, it's this, all quite this the country's so dumb. Anyways, that's it for today's episode. If you uh, somehow missed, uh, of course, the news dump where we talk about Quentin Tarantino's uh, NFTs and the yeah. legal trouble he's in, but also the most recent episode of Weekly Weird News where. Uh, probably the most joyous first five minutes of an episode in a long time. If you're looking to have fun yeah. and not be depressed by the yeah, news, it's, it's a good time. The most recent Weekly Weird will really get you going. <laughs> so check out our most recent videos over here. Subscribe to the channel. We'll be back with tech news shortly. Um, uh, if not, if you're traveling, enjoy the week. Yeah. But uh, we'll be here for you in the meantime. See you soon. Bye-bye.